Anna. Thank you, Pete. Welcome, welcome to MLR Kickoff Championship Series we Edition. Go. We are live here. Glendale, Colorado, the host for tomorrow's two semifinals game. Dan Power with you, along with Pete Steinberg. And Pete, it's finally here. Ten weeks in the bag. We get to the money end of the season. Four teams left. It is Championship Series. It kicks off tomorrow. Your thoughts on the weekend? Well, I think it's going to be a great weekend. The league has been very competitive. And I think that we've got teams coming in that have different momentums, but I think the games are going to be great and the field look great, looks great, the facility's great. I'm excited for the weekend. Yeah, me too. Thanks, uh, everyone, for tuning in and joining us. We're going to be uh, joined throughout the evening by guests from some of the clubs. Uh, you'll get a chance to hear some of the thoughts and obviously put your questions in as well if you have any questions for those uh, representatives throughout the night. But looking to tomorrow's game, first one, it's going to be a big one. Seattle-San Diego, it's the rematch from very early in the season that you and I did up there in Seattle. San Diego, not the same side we saw at the start of the year, though. They're on a, an absolute tear at the moment. I believe a four-game win streak now, three-game win streak. And they capped that off last week, beating the undefeated Glendale. They did. But I think if you go back and look at the San Diego's performance, they've won five games. They had one really disappointing performance, and that was against Austin, right in between two bye weeks and outside of that they've actually had a very very good season and you're right last week's game I think they really put a marker down and I think that they're going to be a challenge for a Seattle team that started strong remember they beat San Diego in the first game of the season we were there three penalty tries but have struggled the last couple of weeks to score points so they've got a great defense but can they score enough we'll find that out tomorrow yeah we certainly will the Seawolves coming off the bye the bye hasn't been really a friendly occurrence this season for teams always struggling coming off that week off so we'll see if the Seawolves can turn the tide tomorrow against San Diego the second game the Raptors they take on Utah and it's uh, an interesting matchup too because you've got two teams that play at altitude in Glendale and Utah that's right two teams that play at sea level who are coming to altitude in San Diego and Seattle but uh, Utah taking on the Raptors can Utah cause the upset here and beat, you know, the heavily favored Glendale Raptors? Well, I think they can cause the upset, but I think that the way they have to do it is that they have to break the game up. They have to have a game where the ball's all over the place. There's lots of transition. Glendale, you know, we've spoken to Dave Williams a lot this season, and every time you talk to Dave, he says, oh, we have to keep to our structure. If we play our structure, we do well. That's what Utah are going to have to disrupt. If they can disrupt the Glendale structure, they certainly have some game changers, some physical players. They create more line breaks than any other team in the league. The question is, are they going to be able to take the opportunities? And I think one of the big questions for Utah is, can they play the territorial game effectively? So they've got Kurt Morath back. He's a great kicker. But their back three are runners. And I think with um, the Archival at 15 for Glendale, they, they can have an advantage playing territory in that kicking game. And I think, you know, I spoke to Alf Daniels and he feels like if we can play the game in their end, we've got a chance. But I, I think that's going to be a struggle for them. I think the kicking game will be key. Well, you mentioned Kurt Morath. The international players returned to their sides this weekend. Uh, I was actually quite impressed with the standard without the international players through that window. A real testament to depth. And we'll talk to some of the sides about that, how they looked at building their depth to deal with that period of the season. But you talk about international players, Kurt Morath. Who are you excited to see back in the MLR from this international window? And who do you think is going to make an impact in these two games tomorrow? 
Well, I mean, I think seeing Cam Dolan come back, I mean, obviously he had a great three weeks with the Eagles, scored three tries against Canada. And um, as I said on our podcast earlier this week, those three tries were, there was one where he supported the chip and chase by AJ McGinty, read the game really well. There's one where he bulldozed over with one meter out, and there's one where he was out on the wing and scored the try. So seeing him come back in the second row, which I think is an interesting choice by the uh, San Diego team, I think he's going to be really great. And I think that um, uh, Phil Mack, who actually was back for one game, but I think Phil Mack is very important for the Seattle Seawolves. Didn't have as great a game for Canada, but I think he'll be important for the Seawolves this weekend. Yeah, certainly. Well, I'm excited to see them. Paul CK back at Inside Centre. I think he's grown a lot from a, a guy who played some rugby as a youngster, went to the American football world, did well with BYU, Chicago Bears to come back, continues to evolve. I'm looking forward to that battle between him and Campbell, Eagles teammates, tomorrow in the midfield, Glendale, Utah. But for a little bit more in our first game, we're going to welcome our first guest in. It's going to be the general manager uh, from San Diego Legion and the head coach, so Matt Hawkins. Rob Hoadley will join us here momentarily to talk a little bit. And uh, two interesting uh, characters, to say the least, who have done an outstanding job in San Diego. So we welcome them in. Evening. Rob Hoadley. Nice. Matt Hawkins. Good to see you, Rob. You Matt, good to see you. So we'll start with you first, Matt, over on the far side there. You've made that transition that not many people have successfully done. You've gone from international player, international coach, now general manager for professional rugby outfit, Give us a little bit of an insight how you've changed your approach to rugby throughout the years and how you view the game and then a little bit on how you got that uh, culture going out in San Diego as well. I think in all honesty, it's, it's just my passion and love for rugby, right? That's allowed me to sort of fulfill all of those roles and um, uh, timing has played a massive role in that, right? This doesn't happen 10 years ago, right? I don't have the opportunities that I'm you know, seeing and having over the last five years, uh, 10 years ago. So I think that's the exciting part, right, is we're in a place now that actually allows for that to happen. And I think um, as more players retire and, and sort of look into, you know, what we're trying to do here from an MLR side of things, you know, there's going to be the expansion need. And as part of the expansion, need, we're going to need more people in the front of us, but we're also going to need more coaches. And so I think as a part of that, there's going to be more opportunities through this. And I think you're going to see more and more of that happening here in the state. So it, it's exciting. Um Talk to us a little bit about what your role is as a general manager, what you do on a weekly basis, um, and then also a little bit about how the San Diego Legion team came about, the planning that you were involved in when that happened. I think every day and every week's different. You know, we're a startup in a startup, right? So we've got a startup team and a startup league. And so, um, you know, you're trying to address a lot, you know, each and every day. And the reality is you wake up one day with a plan and, and most of the times you don't even get to it, you know? So I think um, it, it's really exciting because it's sport, you know, and, and getting to spend time with the team and the coaches is, is obviously, you know, that's where the passion and the love is. And, and then you take that into now, how do we generate revenue, right? How do we get the sponsors we want? How do we do the ticket sales? How do we have a fantastic event every time people come out to Torero Stadium? So each and every day is different. Every week's different. Um, I think as, as part of the whole process, you know, this has been something that I've sort of dreamt about for the last six, seven years. You know, I think um, coming from where I came from in South Africa, rugby was such a, a large part of our culture. Um, but back then, you know, rugby was so new in its professional age, you didn't think about the other side of sport, right? You didn't think about the professional aspects of it. So growing up, all I ever wanted to be was a professional rugby player, you know, and represent, you know, my town, my community and, and my country, you know. And so that was always the desire. Um, only once I'd come to the States, 
I started to recognize that there's this whole other side to this, this, the sports industry um, and took a, a lot of interest into that, you know, over the last 15, 16 years and, and sort of really try to understand how we as rugby become that, you know, and, and how does that become a part of our game? Um, because there's, there's a lot of really passionate rugby people and there's some really passionate communities in this, in this country. It's now bringing that business element to it and understanding that there is an approach and there is a specific process to that, right? And you're in the biggest sports market in the world, you know? So if we can do it and do it right, we find ourselves in a very, very fortunate position. Now, Rob, they say coaching is one of the most stressful jobs you can do. You never seem too stressed out to me. You've taken to this job with greater plum. You talk a lot about culture. You and I have talked throughout the season a few times. Tell us a little bit more about the San Diego culture, what you've tried to build there with the Legion this year and how it's been so successful for you guys as you find yourself in this great position going into the championship series. Yeah, well, Dan, I think the, the thing is it starts with the people for us. Um, in our very first meeting at the start of the year, um, you know, we introduced every player as an individual. We wanted to learn about their background, where they're coming from, what they want out of... Uh, this whole experience because like Matt says really this is a once in a lifetime opportunity there are no other opportunities around the world to build something in your own image um, so we, we have the opportunity to do that and we think the most important thing to start from is, is the people and we, we set out a vision in that first uh, meeting of where we wanted to go to uh, that's on and off the field that's this uh, season and ongoing into the future and we just wanted to capture the imagination of the people that we had in front of us there and um, that's that vision we've touched back on this week. Um, part of that is getting back in front of our home fans uh, on July 7th uh, for the grand final. Um, so really, uh, you know, to, to round back, listen, uh, we're all about what we do on the rugby field. That's the end product. But ultimately, it's about growing an environment where guys feel completely at home. They feel comfortable. They feel looked after and they feel that they want to give everything for the Legion badge because ultimately we were a San Diego rugby team when we came together and now we feel confident to say we're San Diego Legion and it means something to people. We've got lots of people out there now who see rugby as a pathway, as an athletic pathway. So tell us a little bit about what the week is like for a professional rugby player with the Legion. Yeah. What, what could a player expect coming out of college who wanted to be one of your players? Sure. So we were talking earlier actually about some of the college players, some of the best college programs really are in a professional environment already because, uh, you know, they're, they're there on campus. They have the facilities. So a lot of those guys actually, it's brilliant now because they're going to be our feeder system and they're, they're in that sort of environment. So for us, uh, for instance, we'll play uh, today, Saturday. We'll travel home, uh, obviously, uh, tomorrow morning. Monday, we'll get together. Uh, we'll do uh, some recovery uh, training, uh, active recovery. We'll watch some uh, film uh, and we'll have a medical check and get everyone set for, for, for the rest of the training week. Tuesday, we'll come in. We're, we're very fortunate. We work with Roy Holmes and Hank Dembrowski at uh, Exos, which is a uh, human performance center in Carlsbad. Just got to be one of the top uh, training facilities in the world. We're very, very privileged to be there. Uh, they'll get their work done there from 7 to 8.30 in the morning. We'll have meetings from 10.30 to 11, uh, units and team, but we'll, we'll collect uh, individuals on, on things in between that. And then we'll head out for rugby uh, from 12, a window of 12 to 2, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It'll probably be a bit shorter this week as, uh, as we're just um, tapering down a little bit towards the end of the season so we can make sure we've got a, a lot of energy in the legs for the uh, challenge at the weekend. Let's shift focus to tomorrow. Okay, A lot was made in the preseason. Yourself, Matt, put together a great roster. On paper, people looked at San Diego as one of the favorites going to it. Round one, you go up to Seattle, not a great result. You, know, you, you start to get the, 
the water cooler conversation, San Diego can't scrum, their set piece is done, three penalty tries. How are things going to be different tomorrow against Seattle? What changes have you put in place and how are you going to adjust to, to get a different result this time against Seattle? Well, I don't think anyone was whispering around the water cooler. I think we heard everything that everyone <laughs> said about our scrum. And uh, listen, we got a pie in the face and you want to take it and move on. And we said after that game, right, 21 points from scrum tries. You really can't look past that. And uh, we said after it, we believe in these young men that we've got and we believe that they're going to do a job for us and we're going to look after them and we're going to put them in a position to succeed. Uh, and so you take the example of uh, Sione Tuilamaka, who is making a statement through this campaign. We love him. He, he's been outstanding for us. Uh, he's learning his trade. Uh, we, we're fortunate he's been working with Chris Cracknell. We've had Alex Corbisero in, which has been outstanding to learn from. Um, so he's been great, but it's a, it's a team effort. So everyone's working together. Aaron Mitchell played that day. These guys are recent uh, football converts, young to the game technically. Um, but they're doing great. They've made great strides, great improvements. Uh, I think we've recruited well. Um, Pat O'Toole bolsters the ranks. He's, he's coming, coming off to finish the job tomorrow off the bench at Hooker. He's come over from Ireland. Um, and uh, the guys have just worked relentlessly to turn that around. And of course, you finish that game and you're just like, okay, we want another crack at this at some stage. <laughs> and tomorrow's our go. So we're looking forward to it. So, so Matt, I think one of the things that um, Rob was talking about was the idea of football crossovers and the recruitment. Talk to us a little bit about how you, go, how you went about building this roster and how you think about building the roster for year two and year three of Major League Rugby. Well, I think one of the big things that we looked at, um, you know, and Rob pointed out, was really people, right? We wanted the right people in the building from the start. And if we got the right people in the building from the start, we would grow together, right? And we would become San Diego Legion together. And I think that was a large part of what we focused on. Um, so the recruitment year one, we understood was going to be sort of an ongoing process. It wasn't, you know, this date was the date. And if we didn't have it figured out by then, that was it. We, we were very aware that it was going to be a fluid process and was something that we would have to continue doing uh, between Rob, myself, Chris, Zach, everybody involved, you know, and so that's what we've done. And, and, you know, I think for the most part, if you look at our group of players, they're a young group. And I think so as a part of that, one of the things that we've looked at is we don't want to get to, you know, season two and season three, have a lot of people retiring and now try and have to sort of rebuild, right? What we said was, let's, let's take on a young group of people, let's believe in them, and let's build and grow with them. And then as we go through that, slowly filter in other people around it. Um, and that will allow us to develop the culture in the building, which will then develop the leadership on the field, which gives us San Diego Legion. And then people, as they join it, you know, th there is an expectation that's already been set. And I think that's how we define ourselves as, as a team. So, so one of the interesting things is having this pro competition sit on top of the traditional rugby competition, the Division One, And in Southern California, you've got some great sides like Belmont Shore. I mean, I coached on back for a little while. I mean, just really, really long histories. What's your relationship with the rugby clubs in California? How does that help you build depth? And, and what are your plans moving forward with those guys? I think ultimately we have to be friendly with everyone, right? And I think everybody's got to be learning from everyone. And, and at the same time, we've, we've all got to be trying to find a way that we can be working together. You know, I think that there's still a lot for us as as the MLR to work out as far as how we engage with those clubs, but also even with the collegiate ranks. You know, I think 
for us specifically, you know, Rob and I were fortunate enough, you know, sort of two and a half years ago to go through a similar type of experience like this where we, we, we try to cast a very wide net in Southern California. And the reality is um, when you're trying to set a schedule and spend time with people, it just wasn't possible, you know. So that was something that we learned out of that experience where we sort, sort of said, look, we can't do that this time around, you know. So we, we looked a lot more locally um, and we're very, very fortunate that Armback and the Aztecs and, and, and teams like that jumped in behind us, specifically obviously Armback, um, you know, and guys like Chris Torori and Derek Brassard have been, you know, massive for us, you know, uh, Jay Harmon, massive for us. So, so they've, they've, you know, they've been foundation players for us through the season and continue to be, you know, and so uh, we're very, very fortunate that we've had teams like that in our backyard. I'll give you a tough one now. This is for both of you. It's like picking your favorite kids. So this is very difficult. At the start of the year, when you're putting together the roster, you're going through a list of names. Looking back now, what signing are you both most proud of? That you look back at this, yeah, maybe people raise their eyebrows like, really, you're going to do that? Or you're going to give him a shot? Who surprised you the most this year? And you look back at Matt and you're like, you know what? I'm really glad I took a shot on that kid, gave him a chance because he's proved me right. I think in all honesty, I think there's a lot of people that we could, could turn and look to, um, specifically in our group, because again, we've just got a very young group. Um, but I think if, if I take a question and phrase it slightly differently, who, who are the people that I think have the most potential and who are the guys that five, six years from now we're still going to be talking about? Um, you know, two names that resonate with me and, and really stick out are sort of uh, Anthony Salba and Devin Short. You know, I think both of them um, are really just learning the game right that they, they they're really just starting to understand where they fit and how their body works and, and mentally how that all pieces together and i think uh, the two of them with the people they've got around them in our environment um have so much potential to become something significant and i, I think it'll be exciting to see and watch them develop and grow yeah i mean i'd just like to add to that I, I, it's you know picking out individuals is, is tough right listen there's, there's different categories right we've got Kids that have come out of college and just done incredible for us. If you look at the likes of Alec Barton, uh, you know, you've got Carl Rogers, who's doing a great job. He's not here with us this week, but he's doing a great job. He's going to be a player for the future. You've got the club guys that Matt's alluded to, uh, Nick Evans, to add to that list. You know, they've done a great job, those uh, those back guys. Then you've got... Uh, in, in that group as well, I'd like to add Nathan Sylvia, who's been absolutely tremendous for us at Tighthead. And he's one of those guys that's come in late in the season, but could go on to be in that, that same category. He's been fantastic. Then you've got your Eagles, who continue to lead and drive the environment and show these young guys what it's all about being a professional. And then, of course, you've got your overseas players as well, who, who have that same role. So if you look at almost four categories of players there, it's an unbelievable melting pot. And uh, it's, again, it's an incredible environment uh, for, for us to lead. And, and probably one of the greatest uh, things that we take out of it is the development of these young men. Um, so we're very incredibly proud of what they're doing uh, on and off the field. And uh, we can't wait to see how far they can go in the game. Oh, good. I think we're all good. I think okay. I think I think that um, Matt Matt says he likes to do it once and and then and then move on. And I think that we did that. And so thanks to both of you guys for your time. We know it's a big weekend for you, and uh, we appreciate you stepping in and doing our very first live live podcast. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Hopefully, uh, July seventh. Yep. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck yeah, tomorrow to you. It, it. There it is, the San Diego Legion, the Brains Trust. They'll be looking to break uh, the famous. 
NFL Super Bowl curse. No NFL team has ever hosted a Super Bowl. San Diego looking to do that year one in Major League Rugby just to knock that one right out of the park. Wow. So you are always filled with these little bits and pieces that are just phenomenal. I don't know where you get it from. Um, but that's uh, that's a great stat. It'll be interesting to see if uh, they could not only host but win and then just get that off and then no one would ever talk about it with the MLR again. Yeah, so pretty, pretty phenomenal. We'll yeah. keep moving forward here. One of the other teams that will be the home side tomorrow, the Glendale Raptors, undefeated until last week when Rob Hovey, Matt Hawkins and their team upset them down there in San Diego. Dave Williams, head coach, he'll join us as, long, as well as uh, Mark Bullock. So very similar roles to the two gentlemen we just had here talk a little bit of insight about the Glendale Raptors as well. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we're here at this phenomenal facility um, at the, uh, where the Glendale Raptors play. Um, and, you know, Infinity Park is just beautiful. It's one of the rugby town USA. And it's great to be able to bring people in who have actually been sort of leading the professional charge of American rugby for many years. And um, Major League Rugby, I think they've slotted into this competition so smoothly. But I think they've also set a standard in the way that they do things around here. You know, as we come, whenever we come to this facility, we just meet professionals everywhere that do this for their job. And it's just great for the game to be able to see that. Yeah, it certainly is. And very happy to be back here in Rugby Town, USA. No better place to do the championship series. Kick it off. So we will welcome Dave Williams, Mark Bullock up uh, now to sit down and have a little chat with us. A little slow out of the gates. But, uh, that was Dave Williams' style when he played as well. So, <laughs> Dave, good to see you again. As well as you, Daniel. Dave, good to see you. Mr. Bullock, good, good to see you. Now, Dave, first with you. You've been tagged as uh, grumpy, miserable, a uh, bit of a bore. But you put all that aside, and I'm just repeating what the people have said. You put that aside and you've transitioned, you know, again, another one of these guys you played, you were a strength conditioning coach for a long time. You've been around phenomenal coaches throughout your whole career. Now you've applied that here at the Raptors and absolute gangbusters. No one can deny, really, you are the number one club in the country until someone can knock you off in a championship. How have you kind of put your own touch on what was already an existing culture here at Glendale? I think it's uh, my philosophy around coaching how players should train and play. So I think I've got my own philosophy of that. Obviously, that's been kind of developed over the years by having gone through so many USA rugby coaches, both 15s and 7s and age grades as well. So I've learned off them, kind of take some good and bad things off every single one of them and then develop my own style. And I'm really trying to put that across to the players. Um, obviously, as you said, I wasn't the quickest player. So definitely trying to get a bit more speed and intensity into the game. And uh, that's how we train. Like We want to train fast. We want to train physical. And if you don't train that way, you can't expect the boys to play. Same as on the strength and conditioning side. If you want a physical side, guess what? Get in the gym and get physical. That's the only way you're going to get it. You're going to get strong, you can get physical, you can get powerful in the gym, and you're going to transfer that onto the pitch. So I think then it's all about the players that have come here, have been here for a long time, and also the players we've brought in to feed that mix, to feed that kind of style of rugby that I think the way the game should be played and also how we want to play the game here with the Glendale Raptors. So, Dave, you're known as being a hard taskmaster. You're, I, I don't think you've... Has there ever been a game that you've coached that you've been happy at at the end? Uh, I'm always happy at the end when we win. I'm <laughs> happy, uh, you know, during it. I mean, I, I definitely strive to be the best we can be. I think the players uh, respect that from me. I'm, I'm never... I'm a very consistent. Like, I'm not up and down. Um, they know what they expect from me. I'm not good one week. Uh, I'm saying something else the other week. I'm like consistent meshes the whole time. And I think that's what the players appreciate. And that's our respect. If they don't like it, then that's kind of tough. But at least I'm honest with them. And they can go home afterwards going, right, at least he told me it was honest. Right. You know, I think I, I do that. And I think that's what the players respect. And I think that's what players nowadays need. 
Um, they've always needed that. There's no point trying to tell them like you're the best thing since sliced bread and pump their tires up when they're not. You know, as simple as that. Even like we had that defeat against San Diego, we had some harsh words come Monday morning for the review, and that's what the players needed, and they respected that, and they knew they were going to get it. To be honest with me. Um, but I think we grow as a team because of that. You bring, as long as you bring that accountability within your culture, then you're only going to be stronger because of it. And some players may, may not appreciate that and they probably won't appreciate being here and hence why they go and join other clubs. And I'm fine with that because that's not our culture. So if you don't really kind of believe in our culture and believe in that accountability and honesty, then this isn't the club for you. But I think the players we have here, you know, really believe in that culture and that accountability standpoint. And they bring it out themselves. You know, they're not happy at training. You know, they, they speak to the players who don't, you know, don't hold themselves in the high, highest accountability. And, you know, even for Mark, that's come down from that, from his experiences in football, you know, and what, you know, our whole coaching staff, like, that's what we believe in and that's what we drive. Mark, you've been here since day one. Well, it's before and... that, I think. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not trying to age you here or anything. I'm not going to give an actual date because we don't want to, you know, any rumour or innuendo right. on, mm. you know, your AARP status. But you've been here since day one. <laughs> You've helped grow what is now, you know, the rugby mecca in the United States. It's Infinity Park, Rugby Town USA, Glendale Raptors. How did your, you know, how did your job change once professionalism came into the Glendale Raptors and how did you approach this season differently to how you've done in previous years, putting together, working with uh, Dave and working with the coaching staff and putting together a roster here? I want to address the uh, old stuff. I actually, I am older than dirt, so that's not a problem. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Um, Actually, before we get to that, I think one of the, uh, as Dave was alluding to, you were asking about how uh, Dave's process through his coaching and so forth. I think a lot of people don't understand that or don't know that Dave has been affiliated and worked with Glendale for probably the past eight years, I think it is. Uh, so while he was on duty with USA national team, uh, he always came back and was always part of our program. So he's been part of our culture that we have for quite some time. And the style of play and everything is just kind of fits right into where where he's taking the team on the next, what I would call the next step. But um, how things have changed. Well, obviously, we've gone from being an amateur team, uh, an amateur program to a professional team. But really, our movement in the Pacific Rugby Premiership, uh, when we uh, appealed to kind of get into that competition, part of that reason was was to uh, continue to rise our, raise our expectations. Uh, one of our key factors is that we want to be the very best we can be at everything that we do. And we're always looking for high-level competition. So one of our background steps was working to get a commercially viable and professional viable team and organization going. Uh, ultimately, we now have Major League Rugby, which we're a part of. So we were uh, moving towards that, I'd say, five years ago from a standpoint of where we wanted to go. Uh, being in the Pacific Rugby Premiership was a real plus for us. Uh, we really worked to try to move that in a commercial standpoint in terms of uh, uh, raising up the standards, not just on the field, but from a spectator standpoint and so forth. And then the next logical step would be moving into professional realm. Uh, and with the work of uh, the people in Houston and Austin and so forth, we moved in that direction. So we've always been moving in that direction. The other part about professionalism is when people say professionalism, they think immediately of well, pay, players being paid. But professionalism is an attitude. And I think we've always had that attitude about being a professional organization. I think that um, from my background, from an education background and a football background, which I was involved in for some time, that really 
is the outlook that we have. It's about being as professional as we can. And then uh, Dave, through his work with the USA National Team, is just kind of fit and filled right into that uh, aspect of it. So I think we've always looked that way. Now, changes is huge. One is uh, finding players, uh, contracting players, uh, trying to find what is the appropriate amount of money to pay players, uh, what is their value, because oftentimes they are, they're thinking of their value is not our thinking of value. So you had to have, as David says, those honest con uh, conversations with them about what is your actual worth and what is your worth to us. And if we're not the right place for you, fine, you can go someplace else. I think that's a really important part of it. And as we move into professionalism, that'll be, I think, one of the challenges for players. It's that, you know, as uh, one statement or this was, I don't know, it was Graham Henry, put your hand into a glass of water and take it out. That's how quickly we can remove you and replace you. And I think that's a, a hard step for a lot of players. And that's a, an area that uh, they're going to have to get used to. So one of the things that Glendale has developed over the years and is much um, more fully functional than the other teams in the MLR is, is you actually have sort of a player pathway. So you have the Merlins here, which play Division One. You have an academy. I think you have a U20 team. Talk a, a little bit about what that looks like and, and how you see that as being important to the MLR team moving forward. Yeah, again, this comes back to our philosophy of when we started. When we started in 2005 or when I came down here and then we started our program in 2006, the number one thing was starting with the youth program and eventually developing a pathway into our club. Well, that's changed as we've gone to professionalism. It's now it's how do we have a development pathway so that those young players can look upward and go, I want to be like that guy. And I can tell you that with my interviews with our academy players, their statements are they all have goals about I want to be in the 223 World Cup. I want to play, get a cap for the Glendale Raptors. I want to start next year. They're very focused on where they want to go. Now, part of that was, again, we've looked for quite some time at how do we fill the gap from 18 to adult men's rugby? And that was the impetus for our academy is try to fill that gap. And as we're moving there, we're finding that the athletes that we're recruiting for that are highly motivated young men. And so they're looking to, to play up. Our Division One team, again, we've changed the focus of that. It's now very elite oriented. So we don't want players that are just coming in or for social uh, atmosphere. We want players to come in who want to compete and want to play at the highest level. Ideally, they all want to move up to the uh, professional team. That may not be the case, but we do want players who are committed to training, committed to playing at the very best because that's what we're all about. So that's the movement we've had. And as Dave says, with our academy players, if they're good enough, they're good enough. And they'll be starting. And as you've seen, some of our academy players have played some significant time with a prof professional team. And that's just huge. And the thing that's so positive about that is the other kids are going, I want to be like that. I want to get to here. And I want to work to get to there. And I think that's really huge. And right now, as even as we're getting in these final stages of the season, uh, our academy players are trained with professional players and getting that development. So it's a huge step for us. Dave, let's take a look at tomorrow. Utah Warriors. You traveled out to Utah during the season, very tough physical game. I was at that game, very physical. A lot of players from both sides came out worse for wear. You've got to anticipate the same things coming tomorrow. How have you steeled your side to get ready for this onslaught from such a big, strong, powerful Warriors side, welcoming back not only Kurt Morath but Paul CK to that midfield as well? I mean, 
with any you know majority of a Polynesian team, you know what they're going to bring. You know they're going to ha- have a crack at you, and they're going to run hard and fast. And it's as simple as that. So it's just the mentality of the players if, if they want to get stuck in physically. And if we do that, then we'll be fine. If they want to kind of not bring their line speed, not get set on D, then the Utah Warriors will get soft shoulders and get over the game line. And that's how they want to play the game. You know, so we've got to stop that. And that's just our, our work on D throughout the season, our physicality, as you brought up before. If, if our players want to bring that tomorrow, then we'll be successful. And if they don't want to bring it, like any game of rugby, if you don't win the physicality, you're going to be on the losing side. Um, you know, Utah aren't going to bring anything different. You know, we know what they can do. They've done it all year. You know, yeah, they might have a couple of variations here and there, but Paul Lusecki is going to run down that gun more times than he's not. We saw him do it in the June test window very successfully. You know, that's why premiership teams are looking at him now. You know, he, he does a good job. He's a big, physical, fit guy. He's got some good skills as well. He's not just a one-trick pony who just tucks it and carries. Like, he's got some skills as well. So he's a good, really good player. Kurt Marath obviously can sit and kick. Like, he's got a really good kicking game. You know, and you've got some big boys up front who can do a good job as well in the set piece. So we're really looking to get that, get that kind of ascendancy in the set piece to start with, you know, run around that scrum and line out and then definitely bring our line speed, you know, in, in defense. So you bring back a lot of Eagles that have been away and had a very successful three weeks. And when we talked earlier, you talked about it doesn't really matter if you're an Eagle or not. You've, you've got to play your way into our squad. And I think you see that a little bit with um, Zach Fanolio starting at hooker and Dylan Fawcett playing at flanker, where he's actually the eagle hooker. So what have you done this week? Have you done anything different to be able to integrate those guys back in, or do you feel comfortable with the time that they've spent with the squad that just regular training gets them there? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's getting them back into our fold. You know, same as all the other clubs, we've had eagles and all other internationals go away, like getting back into our calling system, getting back into our system. You know, obviously, congratulate when they get back, but hey, that's been gone. Like, get back into the club structure now. You're into the semifinals. So assimilate yourself back in as quick as possible. But our lads have been great when they've been away. I've said it before, like they're in communication with me and, and just via text, things like that. Uh, they've been watching our video as well as doing all their Eagles uh, analysis as well. So they've been like constantly with us the whole time. And they're already good for culture. Otherwise, we wouldn't have them around. So they, they want to be here. They want to play. They want to get to the semifinals and they want to keep progressing. So I think that's an easy part for our lads. And, uh, you know, the banter flying around Monday morning in the gym was great. You know, straight back to terra firma. And, uh, people, was, people bring them right back to earth yeah, and being like, it doesn't matter we've been for three yeah, weeks. Exactly, they, you know, and uh, they had some good banter on the way back. So, you know, that's what it's like. The lads are lads and, you know, we're all competitive and, you know, everybody's vying for their spot. And, you know, I wish a few more people stuck their hand up against San Diego last week. Um, but you know, that's why we've changed a couple of guys for this weekend. We know the physical challenge that Utah are going to bring. So, you know, we've, we've kind of chosen our squad accordingly. Well, let's address the elephant in the room. No pun intended. Zach Fanolio. He's played pretty much everywhere. Who's responsible for moving him out of a hooker? Is, is it you, Mark? Was it you, Dave? Because ever since then, he's been doing everything. I've seen him jumping into operating rooms, open heart surgery, pushing doctors out of the way. <laughs> I got this. I can do anything. I'd kick and chase and I score tries and do everything. Who's responsible for moving that guy out of hooker? Come on. But he's a legend, to be honest. Uh, he, he said to me, because I've actually told him, mate, I'm going to put you in the second row. And he's like, if you do that, I'm going to walk off the pitch. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, so that's the only position. The only Have position you offered him like the centers? Because uh, I think he might be he'd excited. Love about, he'd he'd love, love he'd to love do a that. Ten as well, I think. <laughs> so, uh, as long as he doesn't kick the ball too much. No, but he's just a club man. He loves it. Um, you know, obviously he's been to the World Cup. He's seen the twilight of his career there. Um, but he's such a good club man. Like he's, I'll play anywhere, do anything for the team, as long as that progresses the teams to win. Same as Dylan this weekend. Obviously, he started against Canada. Did a good job there. We thumped Canada, which is awesome. Um, and then he's come back here and we said, right, you're not starting a hooker. Uh, you know, he had a bit of a sulk and, you know, that's Dylan. And, uh, you know, he's gone fine. That's it. Get on with it. 
and he's really got himself stuck into that sixth role. And, uh, you know, we want him in a midfield carrying. I mean, I will be honest. Most front row forwards, when you say you're going to play in the back row, don't sulk about it. Yeah, not doing <laughs> <laughs> Not he's a real front row forward. Yeah, not the butcher. No, but uh, no, he's taken it on the chin and uh, yeah. he's accepted it and he, we've moved on. And it's as simple as that. And uh, the lads have been the credit to them and, you know, they've all got around and supported him and that's the way it is. And I've uh, obviously, I'll wear it and uh, if it doesn't go well, if it does go well, then, you know, best selection in the world. All right, 79th minute tomorrow. Raptors down by one. Who do you want the ball in the handoff Mate, in Will your McGee, team? Will McGee, just like he did in the first pro game here. Left-hand side, kicks over the post. Look at that. You didn't Willie even... Boy, that's it. Yeah, you didn't even Add finish the sentence. You didn't finish Will, the sentence. McGee, you're going to get him the ball. Yeah. He's going to be your close. You're going to get it done. I don't anticipate it being that close tomorrow. Though. I think uh, it's going to be a pretty high-scoring affair. Yeah, but... I mean, that's, that's a good thing about Utah. I mean, they obviously, they score a lot of tries, but also cough up a lot of tries. So if we can stop them scoring, then, uh, you know, we're on for a good one tomorrow. We'll get a good night's sleep, both of you. It's going to be a big day tomorrow. You get to sit down and watch the first He's too old, mate. He semi-final. <laughs> what, he sleeps in the middle of the day? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in that case, you get some sleep, you get some glucosamine, get those joints lubricated for tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you both here tomorrow. You've got the second game, Utah Warriors, 7.30, CBS Sports. Should be a good one. Hopefully booking your ticket July 7th to San Diego, both of you. Cheers, fellas. Thanks good luck, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Cheers, Dave. Cheers, Sam. Thanks, guys. There you see, Glendale Raptors, business as usual, Pete. They're going well, to be very tough I, tomorrow. I have to say, Dan, that if I was Dave Williams, I would be a little concerned that you're actually picking the Raptors because I think every time you've picked against them, they've won. Well, their assistant coach, Kieran Brown, he's, he's taken out a hit against me. <laughs> he knows some people in low places, uh, quoting some Garth Brooks there. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not game to pick against the Raptors ever again. Uh, Ted, if you're watching, and I know you are, big fan. <laughs> Never again, I promise. Well, well, well if I remember um, from the season, you're below 500 on your pick. So, um, fortunately, I'm above 500, and I am also choosing the Raptors for tomorrow. Well, so, the Raptors say, can we'll double sleep nothing safely. tomorrow. Double or nothing, right. We'll do double or nothing. We'll, we'll keep rolling along. Our next guest comes all the way from the Pacific Northwest. Not originally, though. comes from the old Dart, originally over in the UK. He has been outstanding at fullback for the Seawolves this year. I'm talking about uh, former England seven-star Matt Turner, who is uh, going to join us now. And he's just flown in from Seattle, so we're going to have to give him a big thanks for coming straight from the airport. Come on in, Matt. I think Matt was born in South Africa originally. Hang on. But you spent time in England, right? You oh, played yeah, yeah. for England. Yeah. Yep. Spent uh, eight years in the UK. Um, you sound South African. Home from home. I get told I sound Australian because I'm a, a blend a blend of Cape yeah, Town me, and... It is. And, it is. Not, not the time you spent in prison. Usually that's your no. strange. <laughs> <laughs> Same place. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. Obviously, you just flew out. Mate, firstly, tell us a little bit about your journey going, obviously, born in South Africa, played England Sevens for a long time, you know, one of the, the greats of all time for the English Sevens program, and then you land in Seattle playing for the Seawolves. How did that come about? So, obviously, originally playing my schoolboy rugby in Cape Town. Uh, both my parents are British, so have the passport, played a uh, South African universities tournament in Spain, played against uh, it was Great Britain at the time in the final, and we put plenty of points on them, and they attest to that. And the physio at the time found out that I had a British passport. And from then, it was a big storm. And I ended up finding myself down in Bristol um, to start off with, with a sort of a co-contract with Bristol and with the Sevens. And then did the whole Sevens route. Um, through that trip of the Sevens route, I didn't get selected for a Vegas leg. But I played for Serevi in the tournament outside. 
and then that started my relationship with apprentices and Adivis now in in Seattle and kept in contact and was back in Cape Town doing the uh, now Supersport Cup um, and had an offer to come over for this and I was like well you know it's America why not why not Cape, Cape Town to Bristol? I mean, when you compare cities, usually those two get put together. Yeah. You know. <laughs> they're twinned, I think. Yeah. Are they twinned? You I think they're twinned. You normally do it the other way around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up. Bristol's a pretty good city, and I love the West Country. It's, it's one of the few parts of the UK where rugby is actually king, right? And yeah, football true. isn't king. So, so the West Country of, uh, of England is, is pretty good. Now, in Seattle, it turns out everyone wears multiple hats. Right for the Seattle Seawolves, and and you know Phil Mack is a player coach with the uh, um, challenges of the uh, um, original coach getting a visa, and you also wear another hat, so you are a player. But what's your other hat with the Seawolves? So I, I deal with all the operations, um, sort of try and keep everyone in order, um, keep things going, and you know we we put together a very lean mean team uh, for this year, and you know somehow we made it through to here and. Here we are. I know Phil's, Phil's under a lot of pressure being a player coach. There's a lot of boundaries for him that he can't cross, that he probably would like to cross. But, you know, it's, it's season one with, you know, we're going to fix all that season two. And I think it's gone pretty well for us seeing that people wrote us off before the beginning of the season. Well, well, so you're the manager of operations. Is that correct? Yes. So, so tell us about what your week is. How do you balance playing? And, and what is manager? We want to give people a little bit of a view of what goes on behind the scenes at MLR, especially with the Seawolves that have probably had the most successful um, home games, sold out the whole season, got a waiting list for season tickets next <laughs> year. I mean, it's really phenomenal. So what's your role in that? And how did the Seawolves pull that off? Um, we, we put together a pretty good team. Very, as I said, lean. It was a bunch of interns with Shane Skinner sitting in an office, uh, a little five by five office, <laughs> make, making phone calls. Um, and with Seattle, it's pretty easy to sell sport. You know, you, you make your your colors green and blue, and everyone's basically wearing your colors already. <laughs> so um, the the fan stuff is great. They're buying to all team sports, and the marketing side of things was just driven in the right direction. Um, sort of my my day to day when we're not training because we only train once a day you know we train seven till nine o'clock at night um is you know i deal with payrolls i deal with with emma and everyone about all the league stuff so, so hold on you're responsible for paying your teammates yes it's interesting that i'm the highest paid person <laughs> <laughs> give a bonus to that matt turner he had a great game we'll give him a bonus so you, so you really run the operations of the, and, and is that what you did back in South Africa and what you did for Adivis? Is that similar in yeah, a similar so I'm, role? I'm now, I'm now doing operations for Adivis as well. Um, sort of within our, our agreement that we've just come out, um, Adivis is taking over the logistics of the team. So I've been transferred across to Adivis, um, which is great. Lots of opportunities there and you know, I feel the deal and the, the partnership's going to really help us with year two. Um, but yeah, we, as we said, very lean. I did operations. I got Kevin Finn helping me, me now with the team on match days, which is great to kind of just give him a list and he goes and does what Kevin does and takes over the show. Which is <laughs> awesome. Um, never, never misses a beat Kev, you know, and he's just a club man. He loves, loves anything with rugby and the boys, which is great. I can see, uh, I can see falling asleep talking about operations. So we'll talk some rugby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're playing fullback, outstanding season at fullback. What are you expecting tomorrow from the Legion, you know, especially after the hiding you gave them up in Seattle earlier this year? 
I think we've, we're both two completely different teams now. You know, we we built our identity around our defence. Um, they're a very attack-minded team, um, and, you know, the, and their defence are coming hot off the line at us. Um, I think you know, where we feel we where it's going to be won or lost is is obviously set piece and playing territory. I think without throughout the back lines, we we're pretty pretty even in in our minds. Obviously, they're getting a couple of the eagles back, but. You know, we're going to come with Canadian boys back. We won't talk about that score. Don't want to get filled too angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, you know, we feel we're even. Um, even out there, you know, they've got Joe Peterson in now, um, which is a, a late ad, um, and he's a great player. So I'm excited to see him play again. Actually, man, got to play against him back in Cape Town. So it'd be a bit of a blast in the past. Oh, wow. The old UCT versus Marty's, the big rivalry back home. Um, so, you know, we just, we just, you know, it's, it's two different teams. Yeah. So, so if you want to play territory, you're a great runner with the ball in your hand. You love those fly halves to kick to you so you can turn and run with space. But are you being asked to kick to a little bit more tomorrow than you would like? Um, yes and no. Yeah, I think it's still it's a, a decision I get to make at the time. Uh, we've got Peter Smith at 10. He's got a great kicking game. Um, and yeah, we, we, we struggled a bit with that in the last game up against Glendale, playing territory with Maximus putting us on our five meter line all game and trying to attack out from there and now it's you know as we call it it's a test match game take our points when they're on offer and play down in their half so um when you know you you mentioned um shane who's the owner we have had um you know every mlr team seems to have a different structure so we had one that had um, a general manager and one that had a director of rugby as as you guys look forward um, you have a lot of players that come from central Washington. That seems to be a good um, feeder. You've got a lot of players that come from the Seattle Saracens. Talk to us a little bit about where the Seawolves are going to go within their rugby community and sort of looking to um, plan for the future. How do you think that's that's going to go? I mean, we're, quite lu- we're quite lucky. We've got the pull of the whole Pacific Northwest. You know, we go up in Canada. We get players there. Um, obviously, we, we're trying to develop Saracens as our feeder program. Um, so everyone who's reaching out to us, we're saying, well, you've got to go play for Saracens before you can come play with us to show us what you can do. Um, we're slowly putting in those paths. As Glendale was saying, they've got their paths that have been set up since 2006. Um, but, you know, with Flinny being involved with us at the Seawolves, as well as being the president of Saracens, it's quite an easy fit for us. Um, and there's just a lot of natural raw talent around us that we need to tap into. Um and sort of the pathway for us is having sort of Seawolves combines, Seawolves camps as we go along to identify talent and push them through systems that are already in place and then hopefully kick on to come play for us. One of your players who's really stood out this year is uh, the young firebrand, Vili Tolitahu. Two questions. First, obviously, how good has it been to see his involvement, uh, involvement and evolvement in, in the side this year? And the second his hair, is it real? Because it almost seems too <laughs> symmetrical to be real. So can you confirm or deny that and then just talk, obviously, praise the young man, how good he's been this I, year. I can guarantee you his hair's real and I'll give you a demonstration in the field as I try to pull off his wig again. <laughs> I'll give you the signal. Um, but no, it's, it's very much real and it is very round. It's nearly perfectly it is, round. It is, it, is, it, is, it is almost completely spherical, which yeah. is why when we look at it, we're wondering. And it, it manages to stay like that the whole game, so yeah. he must use a lot of hairspray. He did, he did come to training with his hair straight yesterday. He had straight hair yesterday. And no one recognized him? No, I thought it was a good guy. <laughs> his cousin's arriving, or cousin as he calls himself. Um, but now he's back to his big afro today. One shower and it goes back to normal. Um, but his involvement, he's been incredible. 
Yeah, he he was a late signing for us. They were umming and ahhing about him. We watched Saracens play Central, and he was destroying them. Um, you know, his his work his work is you, we've missed him for the last couple of games, making twenty three tackles, four turnovers, just being everywhere. Um, and he's just the happiest and nicest man in the world. You know, he's runs into you smiling, <laughs> tackles you, tickles you, runs away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it must be great for the Seawolves because that is the first Seawolf-developed eagle. Certainly not yeah. going to be the last, but it's phenomenal to see him. I know I, I spoke to him early on in the season. He was driving the two and a half hours. I mean, Central Washington is not near Seattle, no. right? I think it's two and a half or three hours drive, and he was driving there every day for practice. And it's, I think that you've seen him really take on when he, when he graduated and was able to really devote himself. And so I think we're probably just seeing the, the tip of his potential as an athlete and as a rugby player. So really, really exciting and great to see him get his first cap for the U.S. Yeah, 100%. He, he, again, going back, to, you can't praise the, the guy enough. Drives two hours from Central for training or two, two nights a week, him and John Hayden. Um, we've got quite a few boys that go out of their way to get to us because they can see where the league's going. And for Vili, he's got a long future for the US in my eyes. We'll let you get back to the hotel, rest up from the long flight. Thank you. Uh, good luck tomorrow. Any chance of a little chip and chase, though? Yeah, outside of your, uh, inside your own 22. Just uh, give me a little wink. Give me a heads up that it's coming. And, that's, uh, <laughs> and he'll be a little like the savant, the rugby savant that says, I think it's going to chip and chase. Uh, maybe not a wink, maybe a little hair ruffle or something. No, I don't want to mess the, the hair up. Really. <laughs> Let's not make fun of the frosted tips. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other one of those. There's a lot of conjecture over the frosty the frosty tips. Are they are they artificial or are they real as so well? They, un- unfortunately, they are artificial. It's not by choice, though. I'd like to put that out there. Um, by accident? By, not by accident. <laughs> we, we, I was late for a meeting, and we rolled the dice for the fine, and it was either the cul-de-sac, lose the top of my hair, or take highlights. So I thought, you know, I quite like my hair, so I'll highlight it, and... Secretly, I got a little fetish for highlights. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't too bad. <laughs> well, so we've talked a lot with all the teams about culture, and so that's obviously one of the culture things for Seattle is that, hey, there's going to be a fine if you break a team rule. And so you're fine. I mean, you've now made it public to your teammates that your fine wasn't really a fine. It was actually something that you kind of wanted to do. So maybe there'll be some blowback from that later on this week. Clippers back at the hotel. Oh, yeah, back the you might not recognize me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. Um, we're, we're excited to watch you guys play. You've had a great season, um, and we look forward to seeing the Seawolves continue to set the standard of home field advantage as we uh, as the MLR grows and moves forward. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks Thank very, much, good, Matt. Good, Matt. very much, Matt. There is the Seawolves fullback. And uh, as he goes, the Seawolves guy, I think if Matt Turner has a big game tomorrow, the Seawolves are going to be in a big, big chance of uh, getting over San Diego. Well, I think that's right. And, and I know this has sort of been a, you know, our first Facebook Live, but to get into some of the nitty-gritty about what you're going to see, I think for the Seawolves, Phil Mack with running with the ball in hand is really the critical thing that they want to do. And they've already shown this year, Matt Turner coming onto the blind, soul, blind side, Phil Mack changing direction. I think we're going to see that because it'll take away the line speed of the San Diego Legion. And so I think we'll see a lot of the ball in Matt Turner's hand, a lot of him running off Phil Mack. He runs great lines. He's got a couple of tries by running those short lines. And so I think that um, that'll be a key part of their game um, tomorrow. I agree with you. I think Seattle have set themselves up to win this game tomorrow on their defense. The introduction of Pete Smith at fly half, to me, is a clear indication that they're going to play territory tomorrow. Uh, he is by far the, the best kicker of the ball from hand. 
Um, and I think they're going to use the altitude. They're going to use the conditions quite wisely to their advantage and then just rely on that re- you know, relentless and resilient defensive system that they've had this year to win this game over you know, a high-octane, more you know, attacking-orientated San Diego. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's always funny as a back, but I always come back to the set piece. I mean, maybe it's as a scrum half because if you play behind a beaten pack in the set piece of the scrum half, it's not a fun day. I think... Say, um, I think that Seattle need an edge in the scrum to win this game, and then they need to find a way to neutralize the San Diego lineout and the lineout drive, which has been such a strong offensive weapon. And penalties are going to be big because you've got kickers that can really gain territory at altitude. It's about an extra 10 meters on your kick. So also keeping those penalties down, listening to the referee um, is another key part of that territorial game. Yeah, it certainly is, and they welcome back Brock Staller as well, who's been laser-like off the tee. He'll take on Tyke Leader, the fly half of San Diego, also laser-like. Yeah, so yeah. any infractions in the 50, it's going to be three points. And you heard uh, Matt say there that he's going to take any points on offer. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's do or die. Let's take a look at the other game. The late game, it's going to be Utah-Glendale. How are you seeing this one play out? Well, you know, as we said earlier, I think this is um, – I think Glendale are favorites, but I don't think Utah are out of it. Um, I think, again, set piece, Utah need enough possession to be able to get that go forward. If they get that go forward, and I spoke to Alf Daniels, and he said, if our forwards can generate that go forward, we have a bat line that can play with anyone. So I think getting that strong set piece, they've really struggled in the line out. Um, Tui Palutu, their um, hooker, is a converted prop, not really a hooker. They had a couple of hookers they wanted to bring in for the season. They couldn't bring in. He's done a real... Um, strong job. He scored four tries, but really having a strong line out for them, being able to use Paula CK in that first phase to get over the line out is going to be critical. And as we say, territory is important. And so having Kurt Morath back, I think he's the fly half of the season. He plays so flat on attack. He always gets that go forward and he's got a great foot to play territory. Yeah. But still, my money's on, on the Raptors playing at home. I'm going to go with you on that one, Pete. I think the Warriors is... Uh... As dangerous as they are, the class of the Raptors and the big game experience as well. Yeah, Welcoming absolutely. back Davies and McGee, that 9-10. The communication, now it's tough they've been gone from the team, but they've been together. So they've been gone, but they're together, and that's very important for the side to have those two back and firing. And it was funny, I was, I was talking to Rob Hoadley from the San Diego coach, and he was saying that the Eagles have come back with such confidence Having played three games, won three games, they've actually brought a lot of energy. You would think that they would come back and they might be a little bit beaten up, but actually they feel like they're playing so well that they just want to keep playing. And I think we'll see that from the Sean Davies, who played a lot of rugby. Will McGee didn't play as much, um, but Bryce Campbell from Ben Landry, those guys that played, they're going to come in and they just want to keep playing because rugby's fun when you win like that. And so I think they're going to bring that energy into the game. All right, now time for the tips, which, uh, as you know, folks, just do the opposite of me and you'll be fine. <laughs> I am going to go first this time. I always make you go first, so I'll go first this time. I'm going to say in the early game, San Diego by two points. I think it's going to be a real, real tight one. I think San Diego get home at the end. Eventually, they're going to find a crack in that seawall, and they've got the players to exploit it. Ryan Mattias will be my man of the match. I had an extra wrinkle in tonight. You've got to have a man of the match. Ryan Mattias, <laughs> have a big one. And then in the late game, I'll go the Raptors by 12. I just think they're going to run away, run away with it. Home field advantage. The Warriors, they snuck in against Houston. And I just don't know if they've, I just don't know if they've got, uh, 
I just don't know if they've got the players to keep their, their calm in this situation in semi-final sudden death football. So here's the early game. I think it's going to be San Diego by eight, and I think it's going to be by eight because of the strength they have on the bench. I think it's going to be a close game up until about 60 minutes. I think that their subs off the bench will be able to um, continue to play at a high level. They've used all of, you know, you look at that bench and almost all of those players have started um, while the Eagles have been away. So I think it's going to be San Diego by eight, but I do think it will be a close game um, up until the end. With the Raptors and the Warriors, this is a really tough one because I've, I've, there's, there's a piece of me that says, a little bit like you, Raptors, really too much but there's something about utah like they are a team that you cannot predict do it Pete. do it i'm not gonna call do utah it, i'm not gonna call utah because i don't I think they're gonna to win this. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna call utah because i think glendale will win i think again that's gonna come to the bench glendale's bench they've got peter down on the bench who's been one of their forwards of the season but I do think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to come down to um, the last few players. So I'm going to say Glendale by three. There you have it, folks. Picks are in. Tomorrow, championship series starts here. I want to say a big thank you to Hampton Pelton from uh, Major League Rugby for helping set this up. Aaron Castro, our man behind the camera who gets things going for us every week on the podcast as well. Big thanks to him getting this all set up. My co-host, Good friend, Pete Steinberg. He'll be with me tomorrow. Early game, 5.30, CBS Sports. Seattle, San Diego kicks it off. Then Utah, Glendale at 7.30, also on CBS Sports. Two teams can book themselves through to July 7th. San Diego for the championship. Can't wait. I'll see you tomorrow, Pete. Absolutely. And I hope you guys will tune into the game. Or if you're in Colorado, come down here to Infinity Park and watch the best rugby in America.